0: Hi, this is Paul Siegel, and you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Dan. And today we're going to be talking about the form factor of the original D&D books first published 50 years ago this month and why we think they're so awesome. Now, maybe not perfect, so we'll also compare them to other game books that came later on. All that and more today on Wandering DMs.
0: Before we get into that, I'll remind our viewers, as always, that at the end of the show, we will be hosting our after-party chat. There's a private chat with Dan and I, a uh, video chat uh, with all of our patrons. So uh, you can join in on that, if you like, by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash dms. Join at any tier, you'll get an invite to our private Discord. Uh, join up in that, and around 2 p.m. Eastern, we'll be over there to uh, chat with you and uh, all of our all of our other patrons.
1: We love that every single week. Thanks for a reminder. Uh, so uh, happy new year to you, Paul, and uh, happy Damn. season six, and also to all of our viewers in the chat. So, uh, yeah, season six. Rolling the, yeah. rolling the big six.
0: <laughs> Wild. I can't believe we've been doing it this long. It's, it's true. It's true.
1: And the, and the fact that, frankly, these chats have predated when we were when we've been video streaming them live, so it's actually longer than anybody else actually knows, tr- truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. what a great! So I've been looking forward to this year, and of course, this is the year that is the fiftieth anniversary of the first publication of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So we're going to be talking about that all year long, I'm sure. Mm. Um, and you know, and it's funny because, of course, you and me, Paul, we both came to ri- the original version late. It's not what either one of us started with. Um uh, we were a little slightly too young uh for us to actually be on the ground floor, but me personally discovered the original game later on and kind of fell in love with it. So yeah, I have um I have the uh collector's edition uh that uh, was kind of at the tail end of publishing the original books and uh we're gonna be talking about this doesn't look what like D D looks like anymore frankly
0: yeah I mean honestly, I wasn't even aware that this edition existed for much of my young d and d playing life um you know it I was just blithely unaware of it uh, i think for for decades I think when I got into d and d I
1: think they'd have these like um you know uh, uh promotional flyers that would come with certain products of like well, you could write to t s r and you could get this or this or this, and so I would see pictures of this in like the the back stock stuff and yeah. visually i was like oh that's old and <laughs> decrepit i clearly i would want new stuff not something that's you know yeah. going clearly clearly um and of course nowadays uh original versions are very very expensive i think i i think i get i think i got this version just before the prices started to go crazy and i'm i'm so happy that i got it you know a little bit a little bit of damage but i'm i'm happy to i i was so happy to crack this open and see what's inside
0: you know likewise i have this i have the same box set over here mine's, mine's a little water damaged oh, yeah. and uh, has the lovely pencil yeah, mark yeah. of at some point it went for 25 <laughs> cents <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's i don't know who bought that for 25 ever. cents but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's I was thinking truly about the this. greatest thing ever. you know you had kind of challenged me um when we were talking about what to do for our first episode of the season we're like we definitely want something about OD&D. And I was thinking about OD&D and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I think probably because of Fearful Ends, frankly. Uh, Fearful Ends, my horror RPG that just successfully Kickstarted last October. I actually have that physically in my hands here. And I was thinking about kind of the form factor of it being digest sized, right? This is a half size page, much like the little brown books, right, they're about, mm-hmm, about the mm-hmm. same size. And I was thinking about why I chose that form factor and why they might have chosen that form factor. Mm. And um and then I was just thinking about like how, you know, certainly there are decisions I made based on what the options, the reasonable options within my budget for printing are, as I'm sure Gygax was very much aware of uh, when he made these. And um you know, something just dawned on me of like, hey, the little brown books, the 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 breakup of the three, right? That's something that that really struck yeah. me as if Men and Magic, Monsters and Treasure, Underworld and Wilderness Adventures, that breakup of three books, that's like the one design feature of D&D that has persisted across every single edition, right? There's always been three books. And right. generally, in that, right. in that kind of breakup, right? For players, for DMs. Yeah. And it's exactly and the, the
1: same content. Exactly the same <laughs> content of basically the player's book, yeah, like just like you just said, the player's book, the monster's book, and the DM's book is more or less the same content. So it was a good. Um, it was a good design decision. It has been sticky. And the other thing is, I feel that there's three main classes, three main categories of like extra stuff that could be expanded without end. And number one are the magic spells, and number two is the monster list, and number three is the magic item list. And those things can potentially be expanded forever um which means that you have a lot of stuff to look up potentially there's like a fairly large corpus of stuff that i feel is the stuff that i'm not going to be able to memorize frankly about the game like the the core rules i can usually memorize but those are the three things and they fit in those three separate books the player's handbook has your spells the monster manual has your monsters and the dm's guide you know um usually has all the magic items so it's 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 this kind of nice trifecta, and I totally agree with that.
0: I think there's also an interesting aspect. <clears throat> I mean, I want to talk a little bit. Apologies, everyone. I'm, I'm I'm recovering from a cold here, so I'm a little raspy and coffee. But um, there's an interesting decision point made here about the breakup, and I just want to compare, for example. So here's my my first edition AD and D books, right? Which again, although they're now full-letter-size hardcover books. Uh, There's still the three of them, right? Versus, say, this hardcover book for Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mm. Here we have one book, one solid book. Again, hardcover, also uh, full-letter size. And if I kind of, like, line up the spines of these, apologies to everybody listening to this on the podcast, you know, eh, maybe that's about the same thickness, of same density of text, probably, right? And yet I find these highly approachable, and this book... The, the DCC book, which weighs in at like over 450 pages, is just—I don't know—I just—I can't handle it. I can't deal with a book this fat. This is just overwhelming. It's intimidating. When I look at this, I'm like, yeah, do I really want to? Do, do I really want to dig through this book? And so I think there's a nice—I don't know if this is an intentional thing or not—but there's this nice design factor here of the three books, especially in terms of like how they get used. <laughs> Excuse me. Right, your monster manual really is a reference book right like maybe you're going to have it open at the table to get the stats of the specific monster but you're not going to sit there and you know I mean, I'm probably some of us have sat and like in bed and flipped through page by page but in terms of like use of play it's probably the dms got it over on the side and they flip to it as necessary whereas the dmg i feel like that's probably a book you don't want to be using too much as a reference at the table. Yes, maybe sometimes, but if you're just constantly looking up rules, right, this gets into my kind of like rulings over rules mentality. Like if I'm spending more than 10 seconds flipping through the pages to make a ruling at the table, I don't want to do that. I want to close the book, put it away. So for me, the DMG is about reading ahead, right? That's a book that I am going to like read in bed or whatever, and I'm going to try and internalize and memorize things. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> um, You know, and for use later in the game. (coughs) I'm dying here, Dan. Oh, dear. Oh, no. So uh, I agree
1: when Paul recovers. I want to Uh hear the
0: rest of his thought, frankly. (laughs) The player's handbook. That is also probably used at the table, but by the players, not the DM. So it's useful that it's in a separate book, so it can get passed around. That's the point I'm trying to make, which my throat is not helping me get through, <laughs> i sorry. Everybody. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And,
1: you know, I'm thinking of um, Menser era, like many of us started with the, what you'd call the basic D&D box sets um, in the eighties. And like the Menser era uh, box sets had a player's book and a judge's book like that, um, with like some mm. the monsters in the judge's book. <clears throat> and of course in my um you know my oed materials uh just like your fearful end stuff i also publish the same the same size <laughs> it fits really well for me i like the fact that i can fit my stuff in the old box with the rest of my original dnd stuff and in particular right the book of spells which was the first thing that i put out under the oed mark um is exactly what you're saying is here's the spec here are the the the, that corpus that body of work that you need to reference that needs to be in the hands of the players it's specifically the player's handbook so i specifically made this product exactly what you're saying um so i could have a a short um printed thing that would be in possibly every player's hand to reference (laughs) the spells so i do agree that's probably the single biggest utility of the the player's book
0: now then i'm going to go out on a limb here and say i don't actually have any facts to back this statement up but i'm i'm guessing that part of the, the print size and binding type of the odmd books has more to do with cost than anything else and i say this mostly because they moved away from it quickly right like they went to hardcover yeah. letter size books very quickly Granted, the the basic sets, as we're talking about, like the Mulvey or Menser, they're still soft cover, still staple bound, but they at least went to full, you know, letter sized pages. This is right. ODMD is the only time we see booklet sized, you know, half sized books with, you know, soft cover staple bound. And interestingly, I noticed their page count is unusual. Um, They are 36, 40 and 36 pages respectively, which is an unusual choice. Right. Um, You're right. You can get away with that a bit because it's staple bound rather than than stitch bound right. because you put in stitch bound you want increments of sixteen. Um right. forgive me. We're, we 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 are slightly. This, I'm going to nerd out a little bit about binding uh, because uh, <laughs> as some of you may know, I I, I spent a little time uh, as as a hobby doing <laughs> some home binding myself. Um. So again, I don't know how much of this is intentional versus um, just what was available. Right? Did they choose three booklets because like they were maxing out the page count for a staple-bound book? Oh, like I don't, I don't think you could have one solid book of uh, whatever about a hundred pages that is staple-bound. That might be beyond the limits of a staple. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, honestly. I guess how long are the now? Now, now that I'm saying that out loud, I'm thinking like how, the 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 BX books were staple-bound. How long were those, right? Or were they stitched? No, they were stitched. I'm totally wrong. I'm looking at them. They're stitched. <laughs> some or some that were both.
1: Um, I, I think that people can find uh, publication the one I'm dates looking at is definitely were, stitched.
0: You know, definitely, uh, definitely stitched. So that is fascinating. Um, interesting. Okay, so I have a oh. Menser.
1: I have a Menser book here that's clearly stapled, right? So the Menser mm-hmm. Basic is stapled. Interesting. I have Holmes. Well, this is a reprint, but I have a Holmes reprint that is stapled clearly. Um. Yeah, and then the, you're right. The mold the mold base, put the mold Is that right? I mean, you also no, have the I, weird I
0: have staples. Weird. In,
1: I, have, I have staples oh, really? in my uh, Moldvay expert set.
0: <gasps> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because here's here's the problem, Dan. They're not stitched. You're absolutely right. They're staple bound. Yeah, they're staple bound. The reason that I'm looking at a thing that is stitched is because I'm looking at this ridiculous thing that I built, uh, where I actually right, 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 right bound. I had two old copies with ruined right. covers, and I and I bound them in a hardcover book. And now that I'm looking at it, I can see what I right. did is I actually used the staple holes. <laughs> I didn't even remember doing this, but I guess I used the oh staple my. holes to run the stitching through. That's fascinating. So there's staple holes. It's interesting what, what Paul did there. Hmm. Yeah,
1: it's interesting what Paul did there because if for people that, that aren't familiar with the the Moldvay basic set, right it was um level separated of course so this this red set went from levels one to three and then this blue set went from levels four to fourteen and the text actually said right and the, you've got these um uh uh whole punches that, that mine came with and the text actually said when you get these together you could slice all the sections up and put them together in a binder and have one massive tome with all the rules and um i was on the cusp of doing that myself i was really pretty thrilled when i saw that paul had actually executed on that and
0: hardbound it
1: how well does that work overall paul yeah
0: i'm going to read you the ridiculous text in here (coughs) that's in the beginning of uh, this on page b3 it says each rule booklet is drilled with holes so that if desired the pages may be cut apart and rearranged in a ring binder to cut the pages apart either scissors or a razor knife and a ruler may be used. Whenever possible, the other rule booklets will be divided into the same eight parts to make them easy to combine into one larger set of rules. <coughs> it's nonsense, Dan. <coughs> the answer is it's nonsense. Yeah, um, right. In my, in my hardcover book here, I literally just have all of the basic book and then all of the expert book right after each other. Okay. As you would have if you had the two books in front of you. Um, okay. the, 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 the sections are not easily divided into chunks yeah. of four so they don't really fit together that way very well and it gets really nasty when you get into things like the monster section same problem that yeah. we see eventually in the monsters compendium that like if you actually wanted all your monsters alphabetized it's not going to happen cuz you have multiple right. monsters per page right. right let
1: me throw up so there was a bit of a there was a bit of a fetish at TSR <laughs> mid 80s that they thought that this binder idea was going to solve all the problems in the world and uh a couple minutes ago uh william uh, was posting in theory i loved that second edition monster binder with the removal pages and the inserts but in practice i always uh grabbed the physical monstrous manual book uh instead and because they, they, so they actually went back right when when second edition came out circa 89 90 uh the monster book had was all removable loose leaf stuff in a binder and then a couple of years later, they backtracked from that and did actually publish a, a, a single hardcover bound stuff. Uh, same for the the old Marvel superheroes game. They had all the supplements with all the different characters in the Marvel universe were all published in these loose leap things. And I, I have a massive binder. <laughs> I have a giant binder. Uh, and I think you've probably seen somebody. I think you've seen that in use at a convention at one point, Paul, with all the Marvel <coughs> stuff from the mid 80s in that binder. And they tear and they get lost and you take it out and you forget to put it back in and um it wasn't yeah.
0: a, it wasn't a silver bowl let's let's talk a little bit more about oh my gosh i'm gonna dive into binding dan this is so nerdy what, for me but let me just it. say one yeah. other thing about the about the yeah. can you
1: can you collate the uh, the basic and expert rules because i've done that uh, in digital form specifically for the spells and the awkward thing is then you have you know cleric and then magic user spells levels one and two, and then you have mm-hmm. cleric and magic user spells levels three through six. And so it's like cleric, magic user, cleric, magic user, and it's very awkward in that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah that, uh, that, that policy didn't, didn't really work super well.
0: So personally, this is maybe just, just a weird personal preference of mine, but I love the booklet size. I'm very, I'm very fond of that size of, of, of book. Um, partly that that comes from just the ability to commingle stuff that's bought professionally versus stuff that I have home printed, and I have a lot of ridiculous things that I've home printed and, and things that I bought for home yes. printing. I think uh, any anybody who does any home printing with booklet size stuff, of course, you got to have your your extended stapler so you can staple all the way. This will do up to twelve inches deep of stapling. Um, <laughs> I, also, I also bought this this thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, yeah, Dan's go- Dan. Dan uses the fold methodology, I'm sure. Um, but then your pages are creased, Dan. That's terrible. Uh, I'm on I, this thing. No. This, is, uh, this is the GBC ProClick 50. This actually, the purpose of this, this is a hole punch that punches um, uh, uh, spiral bound uh, punches. So when I was doing, when I was working on Fearful Ends, and I was making prototype copies with my own printer, and what people can do if they buy the PDF version and want to home print these things. Right. As you can see, I've, I've, I've spiral bound it, Oh nice. just with a home yeah. spiral bounding kit. Right, so it's got that thing, and then I have a bunch of these little plastic oh, spiral bound things to wind through it, and it's and it, and it works pretty well. Frankly, it works great. In fact, it points out to me <laughs> a design flaw in Fearful Ends that I didn't realize I was making, and unfortunately exists to this to this day, which is the downside of perfect bound: that they don't lay flat. Yeah, I can't. And I thought maybe at first that this was because I went with very low page count. Like that was also a design goal of mine. My my book is exactly 64 pages long. I meant through a lot of effort to keep it that slim. I would like small, short, condensed text like that. But I have some other digest-sized RPG books here um, that are okay. that are perfect bound. And I got I got Fiasco, which is clocking in at uh, looks like about 125 pages. I've got Spirit of the Century here which is well over 400 pages and even Spirit of the Century if I try to lay it on the table open it yeah. doesn't really it doesn't do it it just doesn't lay flat which is really disappointing. <laughs> you know what? That is a be- in fact a benefit of stablebound. Stablebound does lay flat. Yeah, yeah. pretty well. Pretty I think well. it's
1: the case that, is um, is it someone can can it's the case that drive through RPG have they removed? I think they, I think a year ago, they removed the mm-hmm. option for staple bound, right? I think they used to have mm-hmm. staple bound as an option and they removed it, and now you can only get it perfect bound. I think, mm-hmm. unless my memory's bad about that, I um, mean, the which, which bound kind of also has me emotionally pretty yeah. badly. Yeah,
0: staple bound also has its problems, right? It's not great for archival because your staples are going to rust and they're going to ruin your pages over time. Um, also, you lose the ability. To identify the book when it is on a bookshelf side by side, right? Your your hardcover books have this nice spine where you can put some text to identify the book. Not so with your staple bound books. Counter argument: Th- This is solid.
1: Uh, <laughs> solid uh, counter argument. Just looking when I I pulled out all my stuff. We I think we both pulled out all of our stuff just to look at it today. And I would say that counterintuitively, the, um, uh, the little brown books uh, that I have seem to, p- seem to arguably have been more durable. Um, and here are my original D&D books. And okay, maybe I've babied them. All right. Maybe, maybe, these, maybe I don't pull these out every single day and I baby them a little bit. That's fine. But here is an original version of Swords and Spells, which is the original D&D mass combat supplement. And this I have beat up. Right. This I this I've used widely since the 80s. It's actually the very first little brown book that I ever got. I've I've really beat on this to kind of dig into mass combat for D D, of course. And it's it's chewed up. Uh it's it's you know, it's kind of it's yellowed uh quite a bit. The uh the the binding is pretty beat up. It's still intact. I've never had yeah. to repair it. The staples are still holding it together. And it's still it's still usable after all this time. In contrast, let me pull out let me pull out my first edition hardcover books. And okay, there's my DM's guide, which I think most of us agree is probably the least used book, right? Okay, so it's in I, I get it. But here is my player's handbook and my monster manual. And A, I've had to put them in some of us from the 70s recall putting our school books in brown paper uh, to try to protect them, and I, I still have, I've actually been much of the time embarrassed to put this on screen. I usually avoid putting this on screen, but I still have the the the, the grocery bag wrappers that I put on them in the 80s, trying to hold them together. Because Paul, the the the, the ends have entirely fallen off. Wow. I actually can't tell which book is which when I put it in my bookshelf because the spine's entirely (laughs) fallen off these, and I am not enough of an expert to know how to repair that well. So I continually Mm -hmm. am trying to hold these books together, and I I actually don't know which one is on the shelf when I put them there because I have used these enough that they've basically come close to falling apart. And we're not even talking about the infamy of the Unearthed Arcana book in first edition. (laughs) That would, the, the pages right, would just routinely just fall right out of the book one at a time. And we've all had to deal with that. So to my surprise, I'm finding that the staple bound stuff, in some sense, is actually, for me, a little bit more durable. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm yeah. crazy about how I'm using them.
0: Now, my, my od and books, of course, are, are secondhand. I, I don't know what kind of care was taken by previous owners, far from the 25 cent marker. Yeah. Clearly, it changed hands more than once. I'd say my, 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 my pages are sharp and crisp. Um, there's very little damage to any of these booklets. Um, the, the staples are starting to rust, definitely. Like, if I look in the center, there's some rust marks around the staples. So that's, that's starting to happen. If I, if I, and the fact is that, you know, I don't use these a lot, right? That's, that's the other interesting thing. And I don't yeah. know if that's just Got paranoia it. of wanting to preserve this collectible or if just the use, usability of it. And we should definitely talk about that. Um, But also, one of the things that most of these staple-bound books, whether you're talking about BX or you're talking about uh, OD and D, is they have the extra protection of coming in a cardboard box, right? My box is taking some damage, man. That thing's that thing's seen some duress, but I think that's managed to absorb a lot of the hits. Interesting. But I will say this: so, so again, as as a as a you know hobbyist. I took, I printed out all the OD and D books onto onto paper, and I and I and I bound them in this solid little book. And I think you have one of these as well, Dan. Yes. And uh, I, I mean, I, I
1: do. Frankly, and I I have said this is what I use. Right, this is actually what I use when I'm gaming. And I've said over and over again that this uh, bound version with all three books plus chainmail um, <laughs> thrown in here from Paul is the single best gift that I ever got. And it is durable and I write in it and I, sometimes I paste in additional stuff. Uh, single best gift that I ever got, totally invaluable, uh, seconded only by the big bad Bruins hat that Paul sent over for this Christmas, <laughs> Christmas
0: I would say that's this, 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 this handbound book. I use this way more than the little booklets. Um, maybe that's yes. because. That all the books are collected in one, so maybe there's a lie to the whole like it's useful to have it split into multiple books, because here I am now preferring a single hardcover book to a collection of smaller booklets. I'm not sure Let
1: me okay, now I'm going to dig into the staple issue right yeah. i I think yeah. that and let me draw an analogy, right um the the miniatures that the miniature figures that uh tsr would publish in the uh create in the 80s and i've collected a of like the star frontiers figures Mm -hmm. have are are also infamous for a problem with lead rot is if you buy a box of say star frontiers miniatures you open it up sometimes the miniatures are basically rotting away because of lead rot but not all of them it 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 absolutely depends on the particular moment that they got manufactured and the particular way they got packaged. And so I was fortunate that the that I hear about this lead rod issue and the, the Star Frontiers figures that I've always gotten have been pristine and never had a problem with it. I bet the same issue is probably the case for the staples because I actually do see in my, uh, like me, my Men in Magic's uh, player's book, I see a tiny little bit of rust happening. My Swords and Spells book, that I've used a lot more doesn't have any rust on the staples at all that I can detect, hmm. Hmm. And, I, and I've used this a lot more um, than the other books. So I think that that might vary by the particular publication or moment.
0: Could be. Could also just have to do with storage, maybe, or just luck. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't dictate what... I'm down what with all that. it's a rust or not. That's... Right. So here's, here's, here's my conundrum, Dan. Uh, as, a, as a person who's published a game now that's out there, uh, I've already made a book in booklet size, so I'd very much like to stick with that again because it's my preference. My thought is if I produce a second book for fearful ends, should it be perfect bound? Should I look at a different binding? Should I try to staple bind the thing? What's should I spiral bound got any got any RPGs, Dan, that are spiral bound?
1: I'm not a big fan of spiral bounds. I will confess I'm not a big fan of spiral bound (laughs) stuff. I have had uh, some uh, custom textbooks in that format, and I find that it gets misaligned. uh, The spirals get bent. And if I put a couple of them next to each other on a bookcase, at some point they wind up getting tangled in each other. Yeah. <laughs> like the end of it gets the end of one gets hooked in the other and I'm like, oh for God's sake. So I actually I, I'm not I, I, I stay away from spiral bound myself. I and like I say, the fact that I guess drive through RPG has removed the option for staples really uh pains me because that would definitely be my, my top option, frankly.
0: I had I had to hunt for a, an RPG that is spiral bound. I found one in my collection. It is yeah. uh tunnels and trolls seven point five, which comes in a box a box set. <laughs> several books that are in fact spiral bound yep. which is unusual also the size this book is a five by seven which is what a what an odd interesting extra small size for a book huh and we're and it's yeah, uh, yeah. you know it's close, close to 200 pages um i will say i like that spiral bound lays flat that you can do the fold over thing i like that i hear that That's I hear the it. only only binding format of where you can do it but my fear, of course, is always that the pages are going to kind of tear right out. Right. Like that is. Yeah, um, When I was when, I Obviously like not as bad as three whole punch, But yeah, 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 but still definitely happens. And that's that's a benefit for me. In the, like when I'm prototyping or making, you know, when I was doing early copies of Fearful Ends that are home printed is that I could pull pages out and put new pages in and like that, that's bonus, right, because it is rapidly changing. But for like more archival, yeah. I'm not, I don't know about Spiral Bound. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, it, it does. And it, you try to put it in a stack, like if at some point you have to put it in a stack and it may not fit with the mm-hmm. rest of them. And I've, I've had a lot right, of problems with the Spirals spiral are bound. a little
0: fatter than the pages. Yeah. I mean, also, you don't, you know, unlike a, a hardcover book, if it's on your bookshelf, you don't no no text on the spine, right? You're just going to see spirals. That's right. not helpful. True.
1: True. At some point, I'll say like my my, um, my college department uh, <coughs> stopped using uh, the custom spiral bound books that they were producing. And and a little, little secret, the day that I could throw them out was one of my happiest uh, bookshelf archiving days. I was so happy to be able to finally throw away the damn spiral bound uh, custom textbooks. Um, <coughs> So, yeah, I would I would actually prefer. So I so one of the nice things about the, um, you know, the digest size and of course the the original D&D books are um, like five and a half by eight and a half, right? Five and a half inches by eight and a half inches, which is exactly half of a standard U.S. sheet of paper is that it's very amenable to the hobbyist. Um, and and just like Paul has been saying, uh, I can you can print this out on standard U.S. paper on a home printer very easily. So uh, make a document, print it out, fold it, staple it down the center. And of course, uh, Paul tends to be fancy. So you saw his big uh, stapler that will just handle the whole thing at once. So what I personally what I do is I still you know print out like maybe a, maybe a little flyer like this possibly, right in that format and just for home use and if i have a tiny little stapler stapler that can just open up like this right i get a box not my actual od d box but like a packaging box and what i can do is i can just staple through the middle into the box remove it and then fold the staples in the paper um and that's actually that's that's really all you need in order to uh you know, self print stuff. Where's my, so for Redsworth, like I don't have an original chain mail, right? I don't have an original chain mail booklet. And obviously the tradition of books in this format predates original D and D. And so I did take a PDF printout chain mail and uh, do that to it. So put put like a cardstock cover on it. Um, put a staple through it, bend, you know, bend down the staples in the middle, bend the pages. And you can basically self publish stuff it looks very very similar to the original D and D stuff. Put it in a box, and it just it just works. So I, I love that it's like hobbyist friendly, and you can just publish this, you can print this stuff at home, and have it look very similar.
0: And I, for what it's worth, you can certainly call me uh, overly fancy, especially with my spiral bounding nonsense. But. Uh, I, I... A, a long reach i'm not saying costs all of 15 i'm not saying overly materials. fancy because i've
1: used that i've used it at paul's place and oh my god it was a joy i was like oh, oh wow oh this oh i love this so not overly oh. fancy no per, correctly fancy
0: correctly fancy excellent excellent <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like that for printing out stuff. I want to call out, Dan, I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here, but the the one other book I have here in my stack that's worth pointing out as we talk about <laughs> bindings and layout and such is Five Torches Deep. Um, it's yeah. a fascinating book. And and I've heard the the publisher of this talk about the design, and this is very intentionally made in this way from, from what he said, right? So this is an eight and a half and 11 book, but it's bound on the short edge instead of the long edge. And so one of the interesting things is, even though this is fewer pages than my own fearful ends, it will kind of lay flat just because of the weight versus the length of the of the binding, which is fascinating. Um, Now, I know in his own video, he actually is is disappointed in how poorly it lays flat, like he would like it to lay completely flat. but then and then the layout in it is in this three column format, which is made intentionally so that the PDF will adapt on your phone to. Chunk it back into a, a, right. a usable layout on your phone.
1: I think that's fascinating. Well, that's another reason <clears throat> why just to, let me praise the digest form a little bit more, right, the, the mm-hmm. fact that it's a little bit minimalist, right, easy, you know, easy for the hobbyist to publish is that it takes up a very small amount of space at the table. So particularly if you have a lot of players at your table, potentially between 20 and 50. <laughs> Is that what it said? <laughs> <laughs> I I still, <laughs> I'm still amazed every single time I do that campaign with. It
0: really just says up to 50, right?
1: Between four and 50. <laughs> should be about one to twenty should be about one dm to twenty players is what it says okay right. so if you if you cons- if you have a small amount of space at the table because of a huge number of people in the room, these books don 't take very much space uh, they lie perfectly flat if you need to um, and and a small amount of space if I have my referee' screen open it fits perfectly perfectly behind it if I need to open it up to look at something um and uh the other thing when i at some point for the oed right i was debating with myself what size format i should make it this is or you know full letter size and one of the things that leaned me in that direction is that this is also just coincident about the size of a modern tablet so mm-hmm. if you have hypothetically if you have pdf versions of a document like this you can just load up one page on your tablet if that's how you're going to uh, use at the table and it it's perfectly readable. Whereas with, you know, a DM a DM's guide or or an advanced player's handbook, you've you've got a problem of the page at full scale isn't readable on a digital device. So, just coincidentally, the digest size is already sort of set up for a digital reader. But that's great that Five Torches Deep um thought ahead about that too.
0: I think it's fascinating. Now, now I will say I'll I'll ding it on one thing, even though it's got OK, it's too thin. It's too thin to actually have any text on the spine. But um, it still doesn't fit on my bookshelf great, frankly, right, because it's awkward because right. of the, right. the dimensions. It sticks way out, or I have to put it vertically like this, and then you see the raw pages. It doesn't, it doesn't fit great with the rest of my collection of books.
1: I, I'm not immediately in love with that format. I, I, I appreciate being able to think about. I, I I so respect and I I feel so much brotherly love towards thinking very carefully uh, at these formatting graphic design issues at the table that that might not be my my preferred format myself, and I see why.
0: So. When Fearful Ends comes out with its first scenario, Dan, which maybe is a uh, booklet size and uh, roughly the same page count as the rule books, so, say, maybe 64-inch pages, how do you want to see it bound?
1: I mean, ideally, I would pick a staple.
0: A staple? If,
1: if that's even possible nowadays.
0: I think that's possible. Yeah. Would you prefer a staple over a hardcover bound? I think I would. It's an odd format. I think, of I, course, I don't have it in my stack of books, but I definitely have a a small booklet, very thin booklet, but it is hardcover bound book. Yeah, I guess the downside to, you know, I guess they're probably about the same whether it's stapled or hardcover. Anyway, yeah, but but definitely <laughs> in either one is is got is going to solve that lie flat problem, which which you probably want, especially for something like a scenario where you're going to have it on the table right. in front of you. Yes, and flat. agreed very
1: much agreed very much agreed i will also point out i mean this is this really isn't shouldn't be an issue for these beloved tomes that we're going to carry around for the rest of our lives but i will point out again because i deal with a lot of um uh, textbook issues is that you can vary in it's in a straightforward fashion recycle um a paper-bound book you can take a paper-bound book and immediately just toss it into your paper recycling and that mm-hmm. would be environmentally conscious and easy. You cannot immediately recycle hardcover books. So most people wind up just chucking hardcover books into the landfill. Um, mm-hmm. Hypothetically, you could tear them apart, I guess. Um, right. But if I, occasionally, if I think super long-term and I think environmentalist-type issues, uh, the softcover books are a little bit more um, easy to deal with long-term. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should be thinking about that.
0: I wonder why that is. Is it is it the glue? Is it the 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 board that the covers are made out of? what,
1: what is not recyclable? I think it's about? the board. It's primarily the board in the uh, in the hardcover. Okay. Yeah, and I don't. You know, I, here I am in New York. Uh, I guess I'm thinking about that in New York City. I assume that's the same in other places. Maybe that's different, but that's um, the policy uh, where I am. Certainly, hmm. interesting. Even the staples, yeah. right? You can t- you can chuck stuff with tape and staples into the paper recycling, and they they handle it perfectly fine. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. So I do, I do um, kind of like that. Awesome, awesome. Maybe we should talk. Let I, me say I, that. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Let me just say this. It, it just it just it's in your hand, right? It's 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 about. <laughs> it's about the size that i want in my hand i mean there's there's a reason i think that uh you know tablets this isn't too much bigger than a cell phone frankly it's just, it's it just if i'm if i'm standing up usually when i'm refereeing i'm standing up behind on one end of the table it just it's just kind of convenient i can hold it up i can hold if i i can open it up and hold it open with one single hand perfectly fine right and um you know even even your bound version paul it just feels like that's the right size for my hand, frankly. And if I have a hardcover book like the DM's Guide, this, uh, this is unwieldy. This feels yeah. like a different encumbrance category, if I might say so. And <laughs> if I want to hold this open, um, it's, it's starting to flop over. I'm having trouble getting, getting left open, frankly. Um, and the, the, the digest size book. Just feel very, very gameable to me, like it was, you know, intended for a referee at a table actively being used.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point, right? I'm sure there's a reason you don't see eight and a half by 11 novels, right? Like, right. You
1: know, right. <coughs>
0: hmm. Fascinating. Um, We spent a lot of time talking about size and binding. Um, Should we talk about interior layout a bit, Sure. And I also ha- I have a particular
1: c- content point that I'd like to make. But I okay. yeah, tell me about the interior layout.
0: Well, I, I, of course, immediately remember the AD&D modules, right, which are interestingly staple bound, but not the cover, right, because your cover then folds out possibly to a map or to become a screen or whatever. Um, yeah. And then traditionally often had three columns, which I feel like has very much fallen out of favor now. But there's something about old school D&D and three columns that, that feels traditional to me, which I think is fascinating. And these days, I don't think I would choose that.
1: Now, od d well, you right? od d is... Yeah,
0: I agree that one columns. page is one column.
1: Yeah, I guess Moldvay uh, stuff is two columns. Um, a little bit later than that was three columns, I guess advanced, I, I guess the advanced books like my DMs guide is two columns actually, that's a good point. But, uh, for example, uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, right? I think 1985, three columns, very dense and I, I agree. This isn't my favorite format.
0: Yeah, I don't I wonder what caused them to go to three columns and why they gave it up. Um. It seems denser. I
1: don't know. I guess the columns thinner. So maybe somebody thought that was more more easy to read. Um, but again, you know, there's the, there's a the difference between when you make a big fancy book like this, right? It's eye catching. It's a nice marketable product. It looks nice on the bookstore shelf. Um, and you start to take a couple steps away from immediate usability in the game itself. So I think a lot of us know people that buy a lot of gaming supplements and don't actually run them, right? And i've I've seen a I've seen a defense like that. Like most supplements you're going to get, you're just going to read um, and possibly not actually play with. So maybe that's why that kind of evolved in that direction.
0: It's interesting that you bring up how how it presents in like on a shelf in a bookstore, right? Or presents on a, right? Cause that's how much of that is a concern still and how much of that is going away? I wonder these days when most publication is, is, you know, uh, either, either digital or uh, delivery, right? Like how, how much do we care about what the thing looks like on a shelf anymore?
1: Interesting point.
0: Yeah. Interesting point. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. The only, the, again, uh, the only thing I know of that really like sticks to the three column format. Again, it's five torches deep and it feels, right. it feels very chunky, right? It feels very chunky because you have these big bold bo- uh, titles and then small, yeah. just a paragraph or two before the next section. Um, and I think that's very, it's a very kind of web 2.0 design pattern, right? So again, True. with the goal, I think yeah. that the PDF will look nice and, and feel good if you're scrolling it on your phone. Um I hear you. which is an interesting um I don't know, it's an interesting uh design goal. I can't say that I've ever used any RPG source material on my phone. Except for maybe it's not totally true, like maybe for like monster stat lookup.
1: Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Um the particularly at the point where um uh, maybe 2010 ish early 2000s when i was still running ad and d um and there was the issue of like what do i do with the books when i'm standing up at the end of the table and i did get to a point where i was using a tablet for the resources specifically monsters and magic items so if i had to look up on the fly i had the monster manual i had the dm's guide on my tablet and i would look that up um and that's and so that was kind of on my mind but um how should i Print OED stuff to kind of be compatible nicely with that, and that's yeah. that's also it's, the main thing that I've done
0: digitally. It's useful, I think, when the entries you're looking for are relatively short, right? Stat block, couple paragraphs, and uh, and there you want them to be searchable, right? So you're going to pop open your phone or whatever, type, quickly type in the name of the thing you're looking for, and have it auto search to the thing, and then hopefully be yeah. entirely displayable on a single screen. Right. I don't think I would want that for like an entire book of rules. It feels right overkill to me at that point. So here's my, here's my
1: bit of a, I'm going to, let me, let me do a little bit of a rant on content on a couple of things. So one is, okay. you know, I'm talking about, oh, this is great. I can hold it in my hand. I can use it, um, at the table. Is it I, another day alternate universe, Dan could come in and argue with me and say, should you even have a book at the table? Like and and mm-hmm. you've said this previously in the last hour, Paul. Should should you, sh- you know? Shouldn't you just know in your head? Shouldn't the DM just either know or improvise everything? And you should you should you shouldn't even be an issue of having a book. They shouldn't be there, frankly, because every time you pick up a book, the pacing you know, the the pace of the game goes away. You should stop that. But mm-hmm. um, As much as I try to do that for the core rules. I can't get away from it in these um, corpuses of monsters and magic items and spells, because I'm just simply not going to be able to memorize all that stuff. So um, uh, I think you do want something that you can pick up quickly for those kinds of things, potentially. Um, the other thing that I like, the other thing that I think I'll praise about the digest style, and I think that it's you know it's a little bit of a happy accident, I know that not as much thought went into it as, say, Five Torches Deep or other modern stuff. Is that the, I think we've all heard the phrase that constraints actually promote creativity. Mm -hmm. If you have every option in the world for your essay or your art form, you might get into analysis paralysis. But when you have specific constraints, like a particular meter format or like a haiku, a particular number of syllables, all of a sudden you start needing to create in ways to fit that space that you wouldn't have come up with previously. And I know that when I have a a distinct constraint for space, either in page size or maybe like a slideshow presentation or something like that, like I find ways of expressing myself that are powerful and potent and short and memorable that I wasn't going to come up with before. So the fact that there's a tight page count, of like like Paul pointed out, 36 or 40 pages here. And the pages are are small, I think, actually prevented a lot of problems from Arneson and Gygax over elaborating stuff. And so Ooh. here they had no choice. They had to be brief. And they had to find a short way of presenting the essence of original D D. And when you flip to say Gygax's DM's guide, uh you get you get lots of text right now The, the it, things are uncorked and you get lots and lots and lots of text and he could be discursive and he could kind of just narrate kind of to his heart's con- content and i like the first edition dm's guide a lot but i think paul you've said you've kind of find it unreal do because there wasn't yeah. any constraint on guides atta- occasionally not great instincts frankly um so i like that the 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 shortness of the books forced conciseness in a lot of places and i think that that is um a benefit too
0: so you know it's something i worry about all the time as a as, as someone who writes content um that i do also favor that style um and then like when i look at like say fearful ends which is a very slim book and i go oh do people think that they're getting value for their money like you know maybe I should have quadrupled the page count. So it feels like you're getting more for your dollars. But like, in fact, your the dollars are going towards all the effort it took me to get it down to that many pages, right? Like that's, a, that's well, the value. I sympath- I sympath- yeah, I
1: sympathize with that so much because I've gotten the same uh, feedback occasionally with Book of War and Book of Spells, right? They're fairly slim volumes. But the, the I mean, what, what is it? Blaise Pascal said, like, I apologize. For the length of this message because i didn't have time to make it shorter and mm-hmm. the the like the the really the the labor of a really good product is really you know cutting the gemstone and refining it and polishing it and frankly a really good product is shorter rather than longer a really i mean again paul and i are both programmers right the best possible day in a, in a computer program is to remove like several hundred lines of code and find a way for the program to still work with less code, right? That's a, that's a true joy of a day. when You can get the functionality to be shorter. So I feel, I totally feel that, Paul, is the work that we're doing to make things con- concise and short and memorable and easy to use. A lot more work than just pumping out, you know, you and I are not getting paid cents per word. Yeah. If we were getting paid cents per word like a lot of publishing, then we might as well just pile on as many words as we possibly can. Uh but that's not what we're doing and it, it it's it's frankly a lot of effort in the Pascal style to make it this short.
0: I'm on a uh a Discord server of um other RPG content creators and at some point somebody started a thread there where they just said, they were just just for general amusement asking all the writers, "Hey, describe your writing style in just three words and i was very pleased with myself uh when i responded with just the word concise (laughs) great (laughs) great (laughs) i i I super like that i hope others do as well
1: that's great. Now, let me I got to let me just throw this out cuz it was on my mind today. So, I just made an argument about having a short product, of forcing you to be creative and be concise. And in general, I think that's great. There is one counter argument in original D&D where that didn't work so well. And that is that when they went to present their combat tables, right? You're stuck with a particular page size and that caused a major problem and if you could pull up if you've got the the images paul if you could pull up the one with the orange dot right that caused a particular major problem that infected all the early versions of d d so thanks to our friend john peterson on his playing at the world blog he has access to the very first draft of Dungeons and Dragons before the 50-year-ago point where it was actually published that he calls the Guidon D&D, and that's at the top of this page. And you can see the original combat table. You have the different armors for the rows, and you can see the, the top of it says, here's, here's the 20-sided die score needed to hit per level of fighter. And the level of the fighter goes up by one each time. So there's level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And every time you go up a level, your chance to hit a particular armor goes up by one pip. Great. One level per pip. Mm-hmm. Notice that it tops out at ninth level. You can't, yep. in, the, in this version of the game, they hadn't visualized the possibility of fighters going over ninth level. So at some point, the players bumped up against that limit and they said, OK, we're going to expand and we're going to allow you to have higher levels. But then there no more levels fit on the page. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't make this
1: table with any more levels because you've run out of page space. So therefore, you get what actually appears in original D&D in 1974 is they start batching up the levels and you get the version that we see at the in the bottom of this, this shot here. Uh, here's fighter levels one through three and here's the fighter levels four through six and seven through nine and 10 to 12. And now you have this much more jagged Right. In order for a fighter to increase their chance to hit, they've got to get the fourth level. They've got to go through levels one and two and three and not until level four do they actually get any improvement in their chance to hit because they've had to batch it up solely because of the page space. And that's, that's, that's awkward, right? They, it took a couple additions to, frankly, get out of that habit If you look in the first edition AD&D DM's guide, there's like a footnote. It's like, well, I know it does this in the table, but what you really ought to be doing is bumping it up by one per level, which was our intent in the first place. And there's text in the guide in D&D book that specifically says, this is intended that you take 20, you subtract the armor class, and then for every level of fighter, you bump up their chance by one. Mm. That was actually the original intent. They put it in table form, I believe, because some people were having trouble with the math subtraction for that and then they then they batched it up for these higher levels and and didn't fit on the page space and you get this for uh fighter hits and monster hits and saving throws and that was a little bit of a problem now there's an obvious solution to this whole issue and that would be don't use the table (laughs) (laughs) yeah right just use the formula the math formula that was the original design in the first place and uh, with what you should have been doing, if you don't like the subtraction, and thank you for the reminder, Hobo Ogre, in the chat, uh, you could you could have just turned it into an addition process of, here's my my D20 role, add my level, add the armor yeah. class, and get a result over 20 is the same thing, basically. Uh, that's what I call target 20. And if you go yeah. to uh, OED games, or I'm sure if you, you Google search for target 20, a lot of people like that better. That would have taken away this whole issue that they were fundamentally bumping up against the page size just in this particular tablature. So a little bit awkward. It's but neat. other than that, I love this. The digest size is great.
0: Yeah. You, I could see you could go for a hybrid here of like give the formula. Make a table of maybe the first four or five entries, and then just have a like ellipses. Right. Like, and it goes up from here, right? And just use the formula for higher levels. <laughs> it's interesting. I love yeah, yep, yeah, I love that. And th- that is fascinating that that kind of got laid. out like that. I love that that print too of the like blue text, obviously yeah. mimeographed, right. uh, you know, monospaced right. font, really written with right. a typewriter, like right with some and typos and armor hint.
1: class that they had to fix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I'm not sure what the type setting is for OD&D. As I look at it, it clearly is not a monospaced font. So good for them for getting something a little fancier and so what an interesting commentary this is in the the difference between like home publishing self-publishing of the 70s versus right. you know professionally published printed material right, right? If you're right. doing it at home it's typewriter and mimeograph and if you actually pay a printer you get this nice <laughs> you, right. know, uh, you know you uh, know nice fonts and nice uh, uh layout which is
1: and my understanding is, you know, much like you all are following the same, you know, the same path is I think that they had to put it in the box manually. Right. I think they had to order the books. They had to order the boxes separately. And at some point someone was packing all the boxes by hand, I think, yep. in the Gygax household in order to um, in order to send it out to mail orders and shops. Um, yep. So it's 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 kind of fun to feel that um, presence
0: Today, with you know the kind of hobbyist stuff that you and I do. Well, Dan, we are about out of time. Um, any any final thoughts on on the the physical format of uh, RPG material?
1: I really I really like this digest size, and it's funny. It's it was probably you know half accidental. Um, it feels very hobbyist. It feels very gameable. I can hold at the table easily. Um, you know, you should use math. You should use a math formula <laughs> would have would have made some of the tabbage a little bit easier but uh, the 90 the 95 percent of the rest of it i actually you know as again i i can't entirely blame my fondness on just nostalgia because i played with holmes basic first i played with uh moldvay basic expert i played with the first edition hardcover books and it wasn't until decades later that i got my hands on an original d d um set and I was just like, "This is it. This is this is what I've wanted all along." Again, big thanks to Paul for putting it all in one single place because that was even <laughs> that that's that's actually what I use all the time. Uh, so I actually really adore that form uh, that form factor, and I really feel that the emphasis is on actual gaming, um, not marketing it so much. And for me, that's that actually is my preferred format still to this day.
0: Hmm, interesting, interesting. I still want to think a little critically about bindings. I'm still not convinced that that state that any of the options are the best staple and perfect and hardcover each have their issues. Uh, spiral, uh, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be spending some time thinking about that. So viewers, if you have any thoughts on your preferred uh, format, size, binding, et cetera, of your RPG material, leave a comment here in the YouTube video for us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, uh, gather some thoughts, and maybe that'll spin up a new conversation for us down the road.
1: Definitely. We'll look forward to that. And I have some... I got I started and I told Paul today like I've got like first aid jitters on this, surprisingly, which is which is kind of crazy. But I do want to remind everybody if you are new to the channel, that you can like and follow and subscribe to us. And we are on a variety of social media sites. We're on YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and GitHub and TikTok. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So please look for us there and follow for updates on upcoming shows.
0: If you prefer to listen to us in audio-only podcast format, you can find our podcasts on our website at wanderingdms.com. Or through various podcast carriers such as itunes and spotify and pocketcast and a dozen others i'm sure if you are listening to this right now on one of those third-party carriers and they offer the ability to do so please rate and review our show now, that helps other users of that site find our show and we really appreciate it
1: we really do. And of course, huge thanks to our patrons who are always supporting our show here at Wandering DMs every week. If you would like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash DMs and you'll see our various tiers here. Every single tier, even our $1 tier, gets you access to our Discord server where the conversation's continuing 24-7 all the time about issues like publishing and different editions and horror games and fantasy games and all kinds of stuff. So uh, we hope that you'll join us there. Uh, we'll be uh, on the Discord server for our after chat in about 10 minutes. And if uh, if you're new to that, we would uh, adore uh, seeing you there for your ideas about uh, form factor and indie publishing and how you do stuff at home. So we'd like to see that. Uh, we are really looking forward to this uh, 2024 season six. All year long, we plan on talking about original d published 50 years ago this month and uh, ways that we reflect on it in our games today and ways to connect to it in games that are coming out right out now, nowadays, including fifth edition D&D. So uh, we love all that. Any particular things that I should throw out there, Paul, before we sign off? Uh, Nothing's going to my mind, good Guests, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. So so of course, we are live every Sunday at 1 PM Eastern time. So please, we hope you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion.
0: We'll see you then.